0: What's better than this? Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, Chris Schubert. Now, Chris Schubert's more of a referee today than a producer, but he'll wear two hats. It's time for Battle of the Boards 2022. The hay is in the barn, Kyle. The boards are stacked. The grades are in. And now it's time for us to look at the biggest discrepancies. And by that, I mean the players that you just didn't grade the same way that I did and that you're probably going to be wrong about. But uh, Merry Christmas dun, Eve here, Kyle. Dun, what's up, dude?
1: Yep, yep. It's battle of the boards. We're going to throw down here. We do this every year. This is one of the highlights of uh, our draft process. We're obviously uh, a part of the scouting team here at TDN, and we, we spend all year kind of culminating with your final opinions on players and it's it's literally 10 and a half months of collecting information and um here we are ready to square off and look at the players that we have the largest discrepancies on and talk about why you are indeed wrong and not me
0: how many times have we've been doing this cal
1: uh battle of the boards yeah it's been I think a while this is year four at least I'll never forget, the first
0: time we did this, you made a graphic. I did. And at the time, I didn't know what was going on. Yep, you didn't watch Game of Thrones at the time. No, but now I have, and I'm fully aware that you were photoshopped onto Jon Snow. I was. And I was photoshopped onto... Samuel Tarly. Tarly.
1: How? Have not forgotten. You got the beard, You got the beard. And it turns out I had the Jon Snow flow, I just didn't know I could grow it out. So it it works better if you ask me. My beard is more like Jon Snow's than Tarly's, damn it. You're a big burly guy, so the Tarly thing worked for you. You know, I just need a little bit of I haven't forgotten,
0: I have not forgotten, and so hopefully I fight like Jon Snow today. and, And you know, unless well, Tarly had his moments, but we're not here to talk about Game of Thrones, we're here to talk about our final draft boards. We're going to look at the biggest discrepancies the guys Kyle is higher on than me, the guys that I'm higher on than Kyle, and we there's got the a, spreadsheet out. We got the spreadsheet we out. We got a whole there's, bunch of them. There's a lot of ranges. We have guys at the top of the board, the middle of the board, some intriguing late-round guys. And so we are going to hash out the biggest disagreements that Kyle and I have regarding the 2022 NFL Draft Class today on the Draft Dudes Podcast. Our partners at Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds in the NBA playoffs, fights and even next season's futures. And don't forget about the Major League Baseball season. It's back and the New York Mets are doing pretty good there, Chris. Uh, Number one team in the league right now. Who are you picking in the World Series? If you're picking the Mets, you can go Bet on them over at Bet Online, your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code Believe. That's B L E A V to receive a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. All right, Kyle. So let's get in. To the weeds, I think we have to start with the obvious player, the biggest discrepancy that we have regarding this entire draft class, and that's Alabama linebacker Christian Harris. You have him graded as an 82.5, which is a second round valuation. I have him graded as a 73.5, which, which is a fourth round valuation. Right. And that's like, it's not close. He is separated by nine points in the scoring, and we use the same scoring system. Nobody else is more of a difference than five and a half, right? That's the, the biggest difference. And then there's this big discrepancy at Christian Harris, nine points. You're higher on Christian than I am. What am I missing, Kyle?
1: Uh, athletic linebackers are the way in today's NFL. And I understand the concerns that exist with playing him in the middle um, as far as processing consistency and understanding what he's seeing and diagnosing plays. And, uh, but we consistently see linebackers who can run Get drafted high, and you know, and just kind of acknowledging that teams are probably going to be comfortable with the weaknesses that exist in his game. Remind me where Davion Taylor got drafted out of Colorado?
0: Yeah, I don't. I'm not debating that he's not going to be a top second, you know, second or third round right, pick. He's, right,
1: That's going to happen. But they get opportunities. How how many years has Alec Ogletree been a starting linebacker in the NFL? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And it's it's those case studies exist, and they're productive players. They're just not necessarily three down studs that bring you coverage upside and pass rush upside. Although I do think Christian Harris has all the athleticism in the world to continue to grow. And so so I'm buying in on what he can become in addition to what his floor is something that I think is a starting player in the NFL. Well,
0: I agree with you that he's going to get a lot of opportunity. I mean, he's he's a really fast player, right? Like He's got great athleticism. He's got good size. But when I watched him, I got I kind of got myself back into the place of watching Darren Lee at Ohio State and I just felt like that's a guy, oh, he's he can run and he can cover and he can play in space and he has all the athleticism in the world, but I thought the same things were kind of missing with both players, where I just didn't see the coverage instincts with Christian Harris, and for a guy that's kind of billed as this athletic player, I want to see you be able to cover better. I didn't see that. I didn't see consistency leveraging gaps and playing downhill, and so what I saw was a Alabama hey, Will line- linebacker.
1: You saw a Will well, linebacker in the NFL.
0: I saw a guy with a, with a crimson helmet on with a number on the side of it, and with, with size and athleticism, Are you but, me but of if drafting if scouting this guy, helmet? if this guy, no, that's that's why. That's why it no, I, like exactly I'm doing why it the like. exact opposite of that because if this guy played at Tulsa, we wouldn't be talking about it, right? Him. So you're accusing me of scouting the helmet. I'm just saying I think that the fact that he is an Alabama linebacker and has the athleticism that he does is getting him elevated higher than he should based on what we've actually seen on tape. And so I recognize he's going to get an opportunity. I expect him to be a second or a third round pick. He just wouldn't be my second or third round pick.
1: Well, I, I would be remiss to point out the reason why you were wrong is everybody else on the team agrees with me.
0: <laughs> There's no question about it. I'm that guy. And whenever we, we were going to present Christian Harris and everybody you know, watched him on the same day, we all put our grades in on the same day. I, it's before the meeting, I looked at everyone's grades and I said, oh my God, I'm that guy with Christian Harris. Yep. Like it, it's like the biggest <laughs> I'm that guy moment of this entire cycle. So that, there it is. I think we're going to closely watch the career of Christian Harris. With vested interest in bragging rights it's, for ourselves. It's, but, it's,
1: but let's be clear. We are rooting for all these young men to yeah. succeed and realize their full potentials and make the most of their dream, which they're getting that opportunity. Yeah. This year, so. can, we, can we recap that Joe has come out of the gates, hay in the barn, Accusing you of helmet scouting, he
0: is—he is—he's trying to win battle. Of the he, Wars. Wanted, he's, he wanted
1: a fight. He's he, going to get he, a fight. Yes, he came today
0: to play. I don't feel like that's refereeing. I feel like you were just you're you're, you're poking. No, no, no. I'm just—it's just, just no, as the referee. Poking.
1: I'm acknowledging what is happening right now, and you came to play today.
0: See that? See that? That's unfair because I didn't accuse Kyle of helmet scouting. What I said is, if this guy you, played for Tulsa, I don't think he'd have the same level of buzz. You didn't buy – I'm acknowledging that you didn't buy in on Christian Harris because he plays for Alabama. You never said that. I'm saying in general, if this player played for Tulsa, would we even be talking about him?
1: I think he's backpedaling. I I want to know what your affinity is for these one-dimensional running backs that you have graded so much higher than I do this year. I'm looking at the the separation in Zonovan Knight, and Kevin Harris, and Devontae Price – Uh, Just just, uh, Tyler Algier, you're significantly higher on all those players than I am. You're at least a round grade higher on all of those players than I am. And I'm wondering what what appeal you find on players that are two down backs that uh, ideally are, are features in stables as compared to uh, potentially players that, that you would make a featured part of your offense.
0: Well, you know, anybody who's followed my analysis for any period of time, which Kyle, I mean, you've you've been right here along with me for a long journey. Unfortunately, You yes. know my affinity for lo- running backs. I love them. You know, I, I feel like they're so... It's your favorite important. position group. They're so important. And anytime you can get a guy to grind out those tough yards between the tackles, you got to pull the trigger. Kyle, we're talking about mid-day three running uh, backs listen, here. Listen,
1: I'm just looking at the biggest separations that we have where you are higher on players than I am. And there's a consistent theme where they all of these backs within like the top 15 guys we have separation on where you're higher on all of them. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm looking at the sheet. I, I promise I'm not lying to you. Chris is sitting here refereeing. He could tell me if that's factually incorrect. No, Kyle's 100% correct. He, he He's beside himself. Cause now I've called him out because he well, accused me of hell Scouting. scouting. Now we, he, now we, he ticked me off. Cause so here's so what happens. We're, go. we're, we're, we're off the rails now, right? We got, we, we got three more segments of this to
0: do and it's, 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 it's we're, gonna, we're not going to get it back in. My, my job is referee. I just hand in this contest. shirt and just, just be yep. done for the day.
1: Yep gloves are off
0: which player do you want me to talk about of these downhill running backs talk to I, me
1: about about any of them zonovan kevin harris let's start well, with one zonovan of those two gives, players okay
0: I, I have a 71 on zonovan knight so we're talking yep. about a low fifth round grade you here. have a fifth round grade on that you and you have a seven. 67 and a half a so a high seven we're talking about middle of day
1: three players what does what difference does it make it's not like I love any of these players. Are you, are you drafting... When you're drafting somebody in the fifth round, do you expect them to make your roster? What
0: I see for Zonovan Knight is one of the better kick returners in this class and a really... Better f- kick returners in this
1: class? Yes.
0: Multiple 100-plus-yard kick return touchdowns at, at you, NC State. Okay, I know NC State that- homer, Woo Joe Marino. Wolfpack, baby. You just watch Zonovan Knight play football, and he's a very spirited runner that gives you the ability to handle your kick return duties. Like, to me, that's... In a fifth-round pick, I have a... A player that runs hard between the tackles and gives me kick return ability that probably translates well to covering kicks and punts. Like that's a useful player. You just described Kalen Bilaj. I think you're. Just, you, that's the vision concerns. I think as Zoneman Knight had Kalen Bilaj's athleticism, we might be talking about a, a much higher rated player. You'd okay. like to combine those two guys and see what you can get.
1: I guess. Um... I, I don't know. It's just as I'm sitting down here looking at the, the sheet, that was the biggest, most prominent thing that, that popped to me because I wanted to, to come back with a counterpunch from what happened earlier. And you know, it's just, what, what about Devontae Price? I understand he ran well, right? He ran really well. But Another, another guy that I have a, a late fifth round grade Joe, on. stop stop marginalizing the grade. I'm talking about the discrepancy in the grade. Three points. You have a sixth round grade on him. That's I mean, not the point.
0: But I'm not going to sit here and act like I love Devontae Price when I have a low fifth-round grade on him. Okay, well, I'm sorry.
1: I'm sorry that there's one grade that we gave an egregious separation to, and it was Christian Harris, and we already did it. we got to talk about what we're different on. Right, and I, ha- I just feel like Tyler Smith, Ikemi Kwanu, those are like Travis Jones. I didn't want to lead with that. I know. Dude, this is the first conversation we're i We're going to talk
0: about these plotters that, that Devontae Price, a player that— You just
1: called them plotters. You have them fifth-round grades.
0: Right, I'm making fun of myself. Because it's it, we're talking about fifth round grades here, but uh, Devontae Price, a, a guy that I think has some untapped potential, has some breakaway speed for a, a back that has good size. So I, I mean, it's just kind of that. It's it's uh, again a, a path to being an RB three, helping on special teams. And I, I sometimes oh. I think about roster ability a lot with guys that I start to give those fifth and sixth round grades to. And if I see a path for roster ability, you know, then you're going to have a chance of being a fifth round grade for
1: me. Oh, so. Let's, let's dial back the hostility, right? And I do think there is a theme of all of these players that I think is an interesting layer. Would you agree that I probably penalized these guys more for vision than maybe you did? A million
0: percent, because I'm not going to sit here and tell you that any of these guys have great vision. Okay.
1: Because that, th- that's probably the trait that I look at. Zonovan, Kevin... Devontae, even Brees, we have a couple. We have three-point yeah. separation I on Brees I would say Hall. Kevin
0: Harris has better vision. I would argue a little bit on Kevin Harris's vision.
1: Okay, and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, and then Tyler Algier is, is the next back down, and, and we have a two-point separation on him. So, like, all of those backs that's kind of in this upper echelon of where the spreadsheet cuts off on the backs that we have this significant space between our grades, um, the vast majority, all of them except for, for Kevin, who I just don't think necessarily has a dynamic athletic profile. No, there's no question. Um, you wish he did because yeah. I
0: like the player. Mm-hmm. He, he competes in pass protection for sure. So,
1: yeah, I think I think that's fair. So that that vision dynamic certainly seems like that that theme there. So,
0: Kyle, let's talk about one more running back real quick. And it's Brian Robinson, the running back from Alabama. I like Brian Robinson. You do? You love? I do. Brian Robinson. So I don't I don't want to fight you on this. Yeah, one. Yeah, boys, but please. We threw some haymakers in that first round here. We're into round two. Let's keep it clean in there. But like. Get on your soapbox. Talk about Brian Robinson, because I think he's underrated. Like, in general, in the draft community, you must think he's criminally underrated.
1: I do. Uh, Brian Robinson, I understand that the, the questions that were there with him as a player. Um, he had the big breakout year from a production standpoint. 6'2", 225, runs a 4'5". I understand he's, he's not laterally going to impress you or really pop to you. Uh, But he is somebody who I think from a movement skills perspective, you watch the dynamic abilities lower half. And I don't mean like the dynamic pop in his cuts, but I mean his body control, how he's able to stick his foot in the ground and, and how he jumps through trash around his feet. He's not like one of those backs who can't negotiate garbage around his feet. And I think that really allows him to be somebody who, yes, he played behind the Alabama offensive line. So, yes, life was fairly easy. Yes, he didn't have to deal with a lot of color flashing in front of his face in the mesh point. But you still saw those opportunities to stick the head outside and then tuck up into the B-gap and then physically challenge a linebacker who's scraping over the top, and he's such a load to bring down. Uh, I, I look at some of the athletic profile comps for him that do exist, like James Connors on this list. Yep. Well, I think he's a. I think he's a much better running back than James Conner is. I agree. So, yeah, I, I graded him out in the second round. Uh, will he get drafted there? Probably not. Right. But I think from a size-slash-movement skills perspective, not necessarily explosiveness, although he is straight-line explosive. And, oh, by the way, he can catch the ball in the backfield. There's a huh. lot to like. And, he, and he's good in pass pro. Yeah. There's a lot to like. Yeah,
0: I it, there, so the discrepancy here for between me and Kyle and Robinson, 82 for Kyle, 77.5 for me. Yeah, mid two for Kyle, mid three for me, but I don't see a lot of love for him. But we both really like him. But you absolutely love him. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to kind of talk about some offensive linemen here. There's there's several that you're higher on than me, uh, and then of course the the other way around. But I'll I'll challenge you on a player that you're higher on than me to start things this off. And I'd like to go to Darian Kennard. You have a seventy nine and a half. I have a seventy four and a half. Darian Kennard, offensive lineman. From Kentucky. I'll, I have my concerns about the bend and the mobility yep. and just, uh, you know, even the weight that he trimmed down to still be a below average athlete, the style of offense at Kentucky, I think pretty reasonable concerns. What has you buying in uh, on Kennard at a higher rate than I
1: am? Well, I think here's, here's the important distinction, question I have to ask you Are you projecting him at guard or tackle? I think he has to play guard. I would agree. So, but I, I, it, I would assume that means I think his issues can be a little more yeah. mitigated at guard than you do.
0: Yeah, there, but you would also agree there's specificity there, right? Like, this yes. is a
1: gap He's a scheme-specific s- yeah. scheme right guard at the NFL level. Um, I don't know. I, I saw a lot of parallels to Robert Hunt uh, out of Louisiana. Uh, Roberts was more dense than, than what Darian's trimmed down to, but their style of play is fairly similar. Robert Hunt wasn't necessarily a standout in pass protection either. He was better in the run game, powerful at the point of attack, uh, not the most fleet of foot. And we've seen him have success, uh, with the Miami dolphins after being a second round selection. And, and I have Darien graded in the third round. I don't have him in my top 50 prospects or anything like that. Um, but I, I think he has the right play demeanor as far as the approach that he brings to the game and you do see a lot of gravitational pull with him I think would be the word that I would describe it like if you're in his wingspan you're in his punch range like he's got good latch when he gets his hands set. it's just the consistency in which he gets his hands set. in addition to the framing issues that he has but I think kicking him inside and asking him to run a lot of double teams and climb vertically that mitigates that Strike zone and variance of outcomes for his hand placement and how he frames his blocks.
0: Well, so it sounds like for you, it's okay. The right scheme with with some coaching in a different position, you feel like there's there's
1: there's enough here to be a a viable starting guard at the NFL level.
0: Touche, touche.
1: All right, I I feel like I just brought two names to the table. I'll pass the baton here. Yeah, that's um, that's fine. I'm I'm looking for names that we maybe have in different different buckets. Uh, where you're a little higher than I am, just because I know that that makes great, for good television. Um, sure, let's talk about Tyler Smith, since we're talking about sloppy offensive linemen yeah. who play all over the place. You know uh, that, I guess that's what's fun, right? Is, yeah. is like we just had this dynamic back and forth about Darian Kennard for all of his inconsistencies and the, the warts in his game. And you go to the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. And you have the exact same conversation where you are higher on a player than I am where you have Tyler Smith as an 83.5, which is a a mid-to-early Second round valuation, right? 85s are yeah. cut off. I'd pick him in the four. first round.
0: I'll go ahead and say it. I'd pick mm, him in the first round. No. Bottom could, 25%. Could not be me. Look at that. I got, We got staff members around the pod. is shaking their head they're in room, disgust. They're, they're leaving the facility. Uh, Ryan yeah. Fowler's out. Yeah. He's you, out. Yeah, that's he, he, uh, he heard that take. He's like, right. I'm out of here. He knows he's supposed to be quiet on set. He has
1: an audible reaction and leaves the house. Tyler Smith, I have a 79 on. I have third round, which I think is the perfect range to take a flyer on a player who has tremendous physical upside but at the offensive line position is about as high variance of an outcome player as you can possibly get
0: man i'm not going to lie or i'm not going to disagree with you sloppy that's that's a word that certainly comes to mind when watching tyler smith how many I mean, penalties last year uh, how many, uh, how uh, many eight, holding 17 penalties 17 last or 18, year 18 man this guy this guy well i think you said it best you said that tyler smith has an uncanny ability to turn any rep into a holding penalty right just it's, it's unprecedented there's no question this guy needs major Technical work. I think I've even said he's a technical nightmare in terms of... You have. That that has been
1: phrasing you have used to describe. So I'm
0: not not hiding from any of the concerns that exist with Tyler Smith. Handwork and footwork are are two things that are massive issues, but we're talking about one of the youngest players in this class, right? This is a young man, 20 years old, uh, great size in terms of height, weight, and length, really good athlete, newer to the position, and to me this screams just like developmental appeal and I think that ceiling, right, if you buy into the ceiling when you consider the size, the athleticism, the power, right, he's got a ton of power and he's extremely tenacious, there's a mindset that he has that he just wants to embarrass people in front of their family, right, put them on their back so as much as he he could turn any block into a holding call or a pancake, right, he's, he's just he's, he's very high variance with that but to me, I just kind of buy into this player and and believe that He can get coached up. I think he offers some positional flexibility. I think we both agree that his best course could be at guard, but there's nothing physically limiting him at tackle. It's just we feel like the developmental curve is even steeper there, right? And it's already pretty steep. So I'm not going to run from any of the concerns. It's just that I am really willing to buy in on what this player can become given his age and, and physical gifts.
1: Okay, so how do you negotiate some of the historical track records for players like this and their outcomes, right? Because I think that that's a concern for me is there's been examples of these kinds of players, the um, Titus Howards of the world, right? Which I think is the most recent example of somebody with this kind of improvement that's needed that's going to be potentially drafted in the 20s. So where, I guess I would ask you, how do you negotiate Titus Howard? Like what went wrong there? Who's played at tackle and he's played at guard um, and has not lived up to the expectations either way? Is that an issue with the Houston Texans? And, and obviously they're, they're an organization that's going through some changes right now. Or how would you look at that perspective here?
0: Well, I certainly didn't love Tyler or Titus Howard. I, I might have had like a mid-round grade on him. So I guess he's probably actually exceeded my expectations that he's like a regular starter that is somewhat passable. You know, I don't think he's a plus starter, but he's a passable starter to, you know, kind of get you through. Um, but I don't think you're talking about the same level of athlete or or youth or size. Like, I think they're very different in that in those components. And, and to Titus' credit, he's found a way to kind of, like, hold the starting job when he's been available to the Houston Texans. And so I, I think of of Tyler more in the – I know this is kind of an aggressive comparison, but, like, the Caliccio-Semile type – just gets after people type of player. And so I think that if you can get the handwork down and, and the footwork, right? Like those are two huge things. There's going to be a curve here. I'm not asking Tyler Smith to come in and be a day one starter. But, man, I think some of these really good offensive line coaches out there would turn this guy into a
1: star. In the spirit of Battle the Boards, I would be remiss to not mention that these are both 6 foot 5 322 324 pound offensive linemen both with 34 inch arms both ran 502 and 505 uh, 27 and inches versus 29 and a inches uh, I understand Titus Howard's agilities were uh, let's just say not good right the 8343 cone drill is uh, not ideal uh, but Tyler also ran a 778 which is 54th percentile so it's still not it's average versus below average um so I, I think their athletic profiles, while they're not one for one, the size and stature and rawness dynamics of both of these players, I think maybe is something I would still point to as a, an area for concern.
0: I mean, I'm looking at these pie
1: charts that you have
0: up here from mock
1: draft. rules well, that one well, for Tyler Smith? Into your offensive line versus an offensive tackle. Oh, well, we'll put them on the same. Let's, okay. Let's get the, let's okay. get the same here. Well, this is great for the That's audio. Gonna, yeah, they're, they're enjoying this. All right,
0: you got a half-eaten pie here you for know, Titus we're Howard. We're fine,
1: or? except for the three-cone drill and the bench press, which, yeah. by the way, Tyler Smith didn't do. Ah, uh, yeah, that yeah. would have been nice for him to do. Yeah, there you go. What else you got for you me? You think Tyler – I mean, you think Tyler Smith's a better player than Titus Howard? Oh, I, I think I had a six on right, Titus so. Howard. Yeah, so I, I certainly see that guy's upside. starting in the NFL. Now, should he be starting in the NFL? That's a that, – that's, that's a different discussion, right? right? And so, yeah, I mean – that. Offensive linemen are one of those, I almost feel like you, you got to know the guy a little bit, right? To, to be able to have faith in their ability to take the coaching that they're being presented with. That's that's the big mystery with all of these players, unless you have a chance to talk to them and get to know them a little bit. Because uh, the physical skill set, like guys who are big are going to get drafted because they're big. And you can't find those human beings Lying around. They don't grow on trees, right? So that will ultimately be the deciding factor on the Darien Canards and the Tyler Smiths of the world, who ends up on what side. So let's continue this discussion. Let's keep moving here. And in the same spirit of the Brian Robinson discussion that, that existed where I was loving a player that you very clearly liked, uh, these two top-tier offensive tackles, Ikem Ikuanu and Evan Neal, uh, you are four and a half points higher on Ike McQuanu than I am. I have an eighty-seven and a half. He's a top eight player for me this year. So this is the the running joke that we've had of why do you hate player X, right? Because like you have him graded in the fifteen area instead of like the five area. This is the manifestation of that. So fans will ask me, Kyle, why do you hate Ike McQuanu? <laughs> or you could ask me that, and I'm gonna tell you that I don't. He's a top eight player for me. You just happen to have a 92 on yeah. him, and he's your top-rated offensive tackle. You're over the moon with yeah. Ike Mikwan. So, so go ahead and talk about that. And then that, that same narrative exists with Evan Neal as well, where he's my top-rated offensive tackle. I have an 89.5 on him, but you have a 91.5 on him. So so you're, there's a, a, a reasonable amount of separation on your vacuum grades on both of these players. Yeah, man, I got top 10 grades on those two players, and
0: I think I've learned... Top ten valuations. What's, what's, yeah, yeah. Top ten valuations. What's interesting about that is because like I seem to be a little bit more willing with the top ten valuations, where you seem to be a little bit more willing with the first round valuations. Right, you, you got to be real
1: special to be right. be, a, be a blue chip guy for me. I'm right. sorry.
0: And I'm like, well, if you're gonna be one of those last for you first round grades, like it's like I'm a little bit more stingy there. But yeah, for for Ikemi Kwanu, I, I certainly. There's, there's just a lot that I buy into here and, and I, my journey with Ikeem started when he first started playing at um, NC State where he him and I went to the same high school um, at least he did for one year and grew up in the same county obviously same a little town. different timeline a little different timeline yeah, yeah. a few uh, years ahead of him you know a few 10-15 years ahead of him but you know he goes to NC State which is a a school that I have great connections with and, and, and have been very kind and accommodating to me. And I was in the press box for their. I think it might've been his first
1: start. Is in that why you're, is that why you're Wolfpack Homer? Uh,
0: yeah. You know me, renowned Wolfpack Homer. That's one of the other weird running jokes that I, it's, you I deal with all the time. I do. I do. I love uh, woo, NC state. Um, yeah. I was, so I was in 2019 in the box against Syracuse, his first start at left tackle. I didn't know who he was. I had no idea who he was. And uh, You do this as well, like when you go to a game, like you have your 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 two deep depth chart. You highlight the names, but a lot of the times you're just kind of like wanting the talent to jump off, and Mm -hmm. you just kind of. And so I'm like, Yo, who's this dude at left tackle for NC State? He's throwing dudes out of the club. He looks big. He looks long. It looks like he can move. And I'm like, All right, who is this player? And I look down on the depth chart, and I'm like, Oh my god, he's a true freshman, right? Like, I there's. I got to forget about him for a couple of right. years because we just I don't have the bandwidth for non draft eligible players, let alone guys that are still need like to go through the whole thing. And so, you know, I just kind of kept tabs on him. And then it seemed like like a year later, I was like, all right, it's time for me to start talking about Aquana. So, like, I've been there the whole way with him and I've seen his development. And I think that's what I really appreciate is is a player that I think. Had first round traits always, but you know, could he develop into a consistent player? And even from twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one, I oh, saw he got him, much better. I saw a major jump. Like I remember the player I talked about coming out of summer, and I was like, I think he might have to be a guard. There's some rawness there. I love the power, but then his ability to frame blocks and play as a true tackle on the edge this this past year really excited me. And so, um, when I think about his story, his background. Uh, the family dynamics that are in play there you know he's a super smart dude he turned down like Harvard and Yale to go to NC State um known for his leadership traits and you know just football character size like i just don't know what's missing here with future jets offensive tackle there you go Chris. Kwanu. that's playing uh, to the referee right there is what you So doing. so i i there's just there's so many reasons for me to buy in at a high level i just I feel like he's going to be a friggin' stud in the NFL. So As do I.
1: Right. Uh, as evidenced by my 87 and a half grade. Right. Going, so I'm not going to pin you down. I'm not going to do that thing to you, but I really love the player. Now, Neil, like, what, what do you think is the common trend amongst those two players that gave you blue chip grades? Size, or, 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 power, or, athleticism, or length? You, well, yeah, I, I see those yeah. things too, but like, what's the difference? Like, how do I see, see it differently, or do you just think it's a me problem for giving out top 10 values?
0: Could be a little bit of that, and I, I reckon with Neil for me, and there he I have him a, a tick below. I thought with Beal, with Neil, excuse me, I saw a few more body control issues, and a guy that really re- relies on momentum as a blocker, mm-hmm. which I think can get you in trouble. You got to be able to sit on your hips, right? And so with, with Neil, you know that's there. Like he gets on a knee from time to time and just like folds at the waist. Like I think that component is probably the half a point. Like that's w- for me where you see between the separation between those two guys, right? It, it, I I mean. And like we've kind of heard a couple of like very minor medical things that popped up with Neil, uh, but the, Neil gives you the position flexibility. He's played left right. tackle, right tackle, and right guard.
1: Right, where where you have to project that for Ikon. Right. Well, for the Jets, he's going to be left tackle. So <laughs> we're not doing this, boys. Yeah. So Chris doesn't want to jinx it because he's he's um, he's very much hopeful for that to manifest itself, and we we've been talking it up, and and he just stiff arms and refuses it. Do you want to talk about? Uh, Nick Bonito?
0: Yeah, I, I do, because this is one that you're higher on than me. Uh, you have the numbers up yeah, on Yeah, I him?
1: got an 81 on him, so I got a low 2 on okay. him. You got a 77, so you got a mid-3 on right. him. So it's a four-point separation, which is one of the ten biggest discrepancies between right. our... Saw this class pretty similar, right? Yeah. Uh, this is not as egregious. There's, there's less major outliers this year than there there have been in years past. I, I would also be remiss to, to mention, since we're talking about kind of undersized tweener pass rushers. Uh, I also am thriving in the pro David Anini uh, cam. You had to do it, didn't you? I, you I'm had just had looking to at it. these names. Right on the next boards, week, we were in such a good spot there. No, he's coming back. Such a good spot.
0: No, he's, he's good spot. no, 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 It's, it's
1: funny. It's legitimately right, funny. Right, because Joe's like, man, anybody seen this Anini kid? Like, <laughs> I think he can play. And then uh, we're, we're in season, so we don't have time to like go look at each other's regions. We're all in the weeds, and, and then we find out Anini's going to the Shrine Bowl, and it's like, great. I thought we're he was going to steal the week. He's going to be one of the best players here this week. And we're out there for three days. Didn't pop once. David and Anini was not apparent to us at any point in any practice. And then he didn't get, didn't, did not get a combine invite. And just like, well, it was fun while it ra- lasted. And then I watched David and Anini on tape, and I said you were right the whole time. And so I just thought it was funny seeing that name right. in the same bucket of like guys were f- more than four points or, or four and a half points separated on that. I've got a, I've got a fourth round grade on a Ninny and I've got a second round grade on Benito as two guys who are kind of su- cut from the same cloth. Right. I certainly think Benito's a much more dynamic athlete yeah. and that's probably the separator on why there's buzz for one in any capacity versus not having buzz for the other one. Um, but but I, I look at Nick Bonito and I understand Oklahoma is a non-traditional defense and they ask you to do a lot playing in the Big 12 that requires playing in space and that might not be immediately translatable, but you see him bend the edge. I think his first step explosiveness is really, really good. But I I appreciate the fact that we got to see him on the second level. I'm not going to sit here and call him a Mike linebacker. I'm not going to say, yeah, he's going to play Sam at the NFL. But the fact that, like, they did some really nice QB contained stuff with Nick Bonito where I think it allows you to weaponize his athleticism in more cases than just third and eight plus. And that was what, for me, gave me the enthusiasm to say, okay, like, yeah, I think this guy in the right environment can be a Hassan Redick type player. And that's kind of what my my hope is for Nick Bonito at the next level.
0: Yeah, I definitely recognize like the speed off the edge, the motor. Um, I love those things. I, I and I and I like Nick Benito. He's a third round grade for me. Yeah. I I guess you see a, a more complete way to get value out of him than I do, and. It's players like this are hard for me because like even if he was a designated pass rusher, that's valuable, right? If you can get after the quarterback, that matters a lot, especially with his speed dynamic. And look, I I just these are the types of players that are always tricky for me because for as much as we talk about designated pass rushers, how many are there that really like move the needle? in the NFL where, like, they're just, like, long and late downs. And so, like, if you see more ways to get value out of him, then I can understand it. But I think he's just kind of like a one-trick speed rusher with, like, urgency off the edge. And so I have some questions. And then, like, and I hate to do this, but I feel like Oklahoma kind of has had this player continuously, like, throughout their time. And it's like, like, okay, what's going to be the reason that this one matters more than Eric Stryker and – I guess Agbanyo Carango, like he's kind of done okay, like he's yep. come along. Yep. But like, it, it, to me, that's a third round pick, and that's where I am graded.
1: Okay. And, but but I think for me, seeing the the second level stuff gives me some inspiration. Yeah. Uh I you you asked about relevant designated pass rushers, Alqadhi Muhammad. He's come on, uh, who, yeah. who just signed with the Chicago Bears. He had six sacks last year. It took him a while. The Colts are good at that, though. Yes, they are. Right. They are. So that I mean.
0: Follow. They have Ngakwe now, too. He's going to be nasty there, uh, isn't he?
1: Imagine, imagine Nick Bonito learning from yeah.
0: him. And, we, and you wouldn't expect that, right? Because they're like an even front defense, like 4-3 through and right. through. Like they they
1: ju- get all these heavy-handed, yeah. long-armed base ends to play on early downs, and then they kick them inside and they bring these NASCAR guys right. in off the edge. And we, we fantasize
0: about that all the time.
1: But they actually but, do it. Right,
0: it, it, doesn't happen, but the Colts, you know, they've they've figured out how to get that, that, yeah. that done. Now,
1: now Muhammad went signed in free agency this year, in Chicago, so he's now with the Bears.
0: Yeah, and that was, I mean, so. But the the Colts have been trying to get more of those players, whether it's Kamoko Toure, Ben Banagoo, like these are second round picks. Right. So yeah.
1: So that that's a fun. Real world application of what we're talking about there. Uh, Real quick before we, I know you got another name up at the top that you want, but I I know we're also getting towards the end of it here. And the the last name that I I needed to ask you about was Cade Mays on my side of things where Cade Mays, Tennessee, he played tackle. I texted you Mm -hmm. and I'm like, Hey, what do you have Cade Mays graded as? Because I am again, projecting him inside. I certainly do not think he's a tackle at the next level, big time recruit, Right, uh, I had the, the Five star, tran- yeah. transfer from Georgia to Tennessee. It's weird situation there. Yes, right? awkward situation. But I see just the movements, and he was really good inside at the Senior Bowl too. I landed on a seventy-four with him. But you've been a part of his scouting process for forever. longer, forever, because you know you, you've he's, Tennessee's always been you, right? So right. that's always been the radar. So you came in with a low five, and I've got as, almost as high of a four as I can give. I think this is a starting caliber player. I wanted to ask you about
0: him. I think he's got the traits to be a starter. There's no question about it. And I think he's played all five spots, like legitimately has time spent at every spot on the offensive line. I think he's a right guard. Would you agree there? Do yes. You, yeah, like I – Yes. And some of the times – like the tackle reps are kind of rough, where I just don't think oh, he frames he, well. Oh, he, he does and,
1: not frame well in space at all. So – Outside. I think
0: settling in at Guards is going to be good for him. I I think he's got good power, like there's no question there. Uh, I think my concerns with him come from a little bit of like just body control and balance and then a little bit of sustaining blocks. I don't know how much range he's really going to offer to you. So, I think there's some I think there's some scheme specificity when it comes to Cade, but you know, I think that his journey has not helped him, right? Like he goes to Georgia, plays all over the place, goes to Tennessee, plays for I think two different coaching staffs there. Yep. Like very different styles of offenses. So his best ball might be ahead of him. And I'll be honest with you, like at the Senior Bowl, I thought he held his own. Yeah. So that's kind of like his trajectory might go really, really so, positively. So can
1: I get you to come up with Well,
0: I can't. What's can, the grades in, the grades yeah, in. Yeah, I know. I don't hate Cade Mays, but. Why do you hate Cade Mays? All right, here, here we are. Um. So, yeah, he's, he's a likable player that. I'm not going to fight you. I'm just I'm, the gloves are off for for Cade because I see the path there and I see his trajectory and the. I I wonder sometimes like with players that are so versatile, it's almost like the biggest reason they don't get on the field because they're so value as valuable as a backup. Like you never oh, see that.
1: And and please don't cross train guys like that. Right, just let them land in a spot, let them master one spot and go from there.
0: Kyle, want to squeeze one more player in here? Travis Jones, defensive tackle from UConn. I have an 83-and-a-half, which is a fairly high second-round grade. You have a high three at 79-and-a-half. I love the players' height, weight, speed, explosiveness. You know, Made a lot of plays at UConn in a really tough situation as a odd front nose tackle with no good players around him. Thought he was dominant at the Senior Bowl.
1: I'm in on Travis Jones. You're not quite as in, what, in what's missing. I'm in, just not in, in. Right, in, right, right. right. Uh, the best version of Travis Jones, like what? what's the Ooh. ceiling? That's my my question. Relative to his usage and your expectation, I understand he has more upside on third downs than your typical nose. Right? I I can certainly identify that and understand that. But I'm just not sure where the ceiling is for usage and how many teams would use him to get him there.
0: Yeah, he won't be for everybody, but his mock draftables comps, right at the top here. Jets legend Muhammad Wilkerson
1: okay Bilal Nichols okay which is a fine player but not a high ceiling player Marcel Darius before don't, don't, pre, don't pre, skip over DeAndre Coleman I see his name there on yes. the list no, DeAndre Coleman played
0: in the NFL longer than he should have credit to him Marcel Darius pre-contract extension Marcel Darius really good football player you know some, some not James so great names James
1: Lee Khalil Mitchell say their names Leonard Williams yep William Joseph yep Eddie Goldman and I like Eddie Goldman a lot, but, a lot what, of good is, names but there. what is Eddie Goldman's ceiling as a player? That's my concern. See,
0: I buy into the pass rush ability from I, Travis Jones,
1: rightfully so. That's what I really like. I about mean, we him. got to see him in a great environment on one-on-ones, right. kicking the tar out of every offensive lineman across from him at the Senior Bowl. So I get it, but I also understand the context of he's going against centers. A lot of the time. And, and guards, right? In an isolated one-on-one environment that is naturally built in advantages to the defensive player. And
0: was beaten three guys routinely at UConn. At UConn. I know,
1: but three who were who, who are the great teams would that you UConn played this have year? Would you rather have one good offensive lineman teams, or three that you have to who beat Who are the great that are teams that that they played at UConn this yeah, past I'm year? I'm not
0: going to fight you. The competition wasn't there, okay. but it was there at the senior bowl and he dominated.
1: And by the way, Eddie Goldman has played six years in the NFL and has 13 sacks. That's all I'm saying that's all give me the I'm over saying. on Travis Jones. Great. Well, give us the over on the NFL draft being really, really good time because uh, it is here. We are super excited for the opportunity to bring you all of our coverage over at the draft network. We hope you will join us. I am Kyle Krabs with Chris Schubert, with Joe Marino. We hope you have enjoyed this ride to the 2022 NFL Draft. Now enjoy this ride of the 2022 NFL Draft along with us as well. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys again next time.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com
1: or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich,
0: but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun...